0: We are in a season in Good News Church Manchester where we are looking at uh, being more fruitful. We are looking at manifesting as sons of God, and I say I use the term sons in the way in a generic sense. I'm I'm a son of God as well, even though I'm a woman. Amen. But Amen. Um, you understand what I mean. So we've been looking at uh, this in our Bible studies and in the in the service as well, looking at how we can be effective and how we can be impactful in our lives. And I'm sure the frustration of being unable to make an impact is common to all of us if we're truthful to ourselves. Uh, Recently, um, a few weeks back, I was praying, we were praying with my mom and we were praying, uh, you know, quite frustrated prayers, I I might admit. Lord, why can't we see, you know, the things that we want to see? And just that week, that Sunday pastor preached on, um, uh, it was the 31st, I think, that he preached on um, the importance of growing, you know, from being children to becoming sons, in order to be able to manifest that which God has put in us. And he used some Greek words, I think there was technon, There was yours and there was another one. I can't remember the other one, but there were various stages of growth. And what God wants to see in us is for us to grow, to become sons of God. So we come into, we are born into the kingdom of God with uh, the DNA of God and with the potential to do everything that God has in store for us to do. But as long as we are children, the book of Galatians tells us we are no better than slaves because we cannot entrust uh, or commit things that are important to children. You commit things that are important to people who are responsible. And so we all have a responsibility to grow. And for me, that was an answer to prayer because I was at a place of frustration and I couldn't understand this. And suddenly it began began to become very clear to me the direction that God wants to lead us in. And uh, last week, um, the week before last, Uncle Charles preached on why we must manifest as children of God. And there were two key things. Um, One is because Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the the devil. And we too must destroy the works of the devil. And we cannot destroy the works of the devil if we are not manifesting as sons of God. And the other thing was that, uh, you know, creation is crying and groaning. That's from Romans chapter 8, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And so we must arise and become sons of God. And lately in this journey, obviously we've all got our personal journey. God is speaking to us. I I just want to share with you what God has been dealing with me in the importance of prayer in manifesting as sons. Now, I realize that prayer is such a vast uh, topic. Uh, One cannot hope to exhaust it in uh, 30 minutes, situation but so I'm not looking to exhaust or define or to actually complete I just want to share where I am in my journey of prayer and I'll tell you where it all started at some point at the beginning of the year and we are are in the last you know just one more day in February Uh, but at the beginning of the year I was jolted by something I came across that if you pray for one hour then that's four percent of your day that troubled me, that troubled me, you know? And I said, well, I wonder if I'm even making that 4% of the day of my 24 hour day in prayer. And so I began to listen to uh, teachings and messages on prayer and just started reflecting. And as I thought about it, you know, and I thought about the word that we've received about the importance of growing up, we need to become responsible. Um, and take responsibility for the things of the kingdom of God. And I knew that I had to improve and increase my prayer life. And I want to encourage all of us, wherever we are, there are are some of us who pray a lot, and there are some of us who don't pray at all, or there are some of us who are kind of in between. But whatever stage we are in our journey with God, if we are going to do the things God wants us to do, we're going to have to become prayerful, and we've got to pray more. Uh, at some point uh, in my journey with God, I listened to Miles Monroe, and he said he made a, a very bold statement. Uh, he was teaching on prayer. He said that without God, man can't; without man, God won't. Um, as he taught about prayer, and basically uh, what he was trying to say is that look, there are so many things God has spoken, and so many things God wants to do, but you know the uh, the heaven. The heavens of heavens belong to the Lord, the earth he has given to the children of men. So the things that must happen here on earth, we must partner with God. And we partner with God in prayer. We partner with God in obedience. We partner with God in, um, in, in passionately worshipping him in his presence. But one of the ways we partner with God, one of the key ways we partner with God is in prayer. And the Bible has so many examples of how uh, prayer has been um, the key to opening and unlocking situations that were bound for a long time. Let's go to the book of Exodus. I'm going to read the book of Exodus. I'll just relate these examples. Um, When God cut covenant in in Genesis with, um, with Abraham, he said to him, your descendants will be slaves in Egypt for 400 years. You know, but we're in the fullness of time, I will deliver them, and we know the story of the slaves in Egypt. Uh, Joseph went to uh, was sold into slavery. He then became a prime minister or a leader in Egypt or governor in Egypt, and he brought his family, and that family expanded and grew over the years. And when it was coming to four hundred years. Um, obviously, a new pharaoh came in who did not know the history of of, uh, Joseph, and he thought that it was his time to make sure that he punished the the people of God, and put them in slavery, and so they were in slavery, and they started crying out, and I remember one point, at one point, I asked pastor, I said, "Lord, pastor, why did God wait (laughs) an extra 30 years, and I remember the pastor told me that the people didn't pray, and I think it's it sounded a bit like, come on. I mean, God knew this was, he had said it. He said it would be 400 years. Then I will come and deliver them. Why, why, why do would they need to pray? You know, why would they need to pray? And if you look at um, Exodus itself, I think it's chapter two, the people groaned, you know, they cried out to God and God remembered his covenant. So the covenant was always there in year one, two, 20, 40, 50, 200, 350, Uh, 398, the covenant was there. But until the people prayed, the covenant could not be moved. And these are the things that I've been reflecting on. God's word has been spoken to us. And his word is true. But until we pray through, you know, we may not see the manifestation of that word. Amen. Amen. One of the things we looked at, I think towards the close of the year, we looked at um, Isaiah chapter 2 and... um, Mike, is it Micah chapter? Is it Micah chapter four? In the in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall stand above every mountain. You know, and we look at that word. That word has been given, and we know we are living in the last days. But is the house of the mountain of the house of the Lord standing as the highest mountain? Not quite yet, but we can move that. We can cause that to happen by our prayer. Amen. Mm-hmm. By being prayerful. By praying through. And so prayer is um, a vital and important um, factor of our life and of our growth and of our manifestation as sons. You know, um, Antilati just mentioned uh, Hebrews chapter 7. I looked at Hebrews chapter 7. You know, Jesus was the priest after the order of Melchizedek. And the Bible says that in the days of his flesh, he prayed passionately. You know, he talked about loud cries and passion. You know, that prayer wasn't... um, Mambi-pambi prayer, bless me now. And uh, now I lay me down to sleep. Uh, I I pray the Lord my soul to keep, you know, that's not, not that kind of, he prayed passionately and God heard him for his godly fear. Now, if Jesus, who is our example, prayed passionately and God heard him, what is it saying to us? You know, it is telling us something definitely. If we're going to be anything, come anywhere near manifesting as sons of God, we have to up our prayer Auntie. Um, Jesus was promised, that, uh, Jesus coming on into the, uh, the earth was uh, prophesied, you know, it's not, Jesus didn't just show up, God didn't just show up, uh, you know, and Jesus uh, came and died for us, there was prophecy and word, and, and, and there was a build-up throughout the whole Old Testament for Jesus to show up on the earth, so it had been, this was God's Plan, this was God's desire. This is the way God was going to save mankind. It was written, it was clear, it was intended, you know. And yet, when Jesus showed up in Luke chapter um, 2, a woman called Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, those are just examples of people who prayed. She'd been a widow uh, after being married only seven years, and she'd been a widow for 84 years. And during that period of her widowhood, she spent her days and nights praying, fasting, and pleading in the temple. And when she saw Jesus, you know, it gives us a clue as to what she was praying for. When she saw Jesus, she says the the salvation of Jerusalem, the salvation of Israel has now come. So we know that somebody prayed 84 years for Jesus to show up. And so this is giving us examples of why it's important to pray. We're familiar with Daniel. Daniel was a great man in Babylon. He was in exile. And um, uh, he was going through the books and came across uh, the book from Jeremiah or a letter from Jeremiah that said this captivity they were in was intended to be 70 years. And he was moved to pray. And he prayed that prayer. And that's where God sent Gabriel to go and give him an answer. So we know all these are examples of people who prayed. Hannah. You know, Hannah had a need, Hannah, Elkanah's wife, in, in, in the book of Samuel. I'm, going to, I'm just going to go through all these scriptures, but there's a specific scripture that the Lord has led me to share with you that I will zero into. So I'll give you all these examples and then we can talk. So Hannah was had a need. She needed a son. She was a second wife or she was a wife, a co-wife, and she had um, no child. And year after year, she was crying. Her heart was breaking. Her heart was sore about this until she prayed. You know, she prayed and she went into the, uh, when they went to Shiloh, she went and prayed. She could not take it anymore. She had suffered this enough and she went to pray. At the same time that Hannah had a need, God had a need in the earth as well. You know, it was a time when the word of the Lord was rare. The Bible says the word of the Lord was very rare in the land. There was generally apostasy in the time of Eli. His children uh, were doing their own thing. People were just not following God. So there was a need. The need was for um, somebody to come in, to come and be the voice of God in there. And so Hannah's need and God's need coincided. God answered her. And Samuel came onto the face of the earth. And he came and He did a lot of significant things. I think one of the scriptures that really fascinates me about Samuel says that none of his words fell to the ground. So he was an extraordinary man. But I think one of the other things that is key for me when I think about Samuel is that he ushered in David and I always see David when I look at the Bible, I see David as a type of Christ because he's a, even Jesus is called the son of David, really. You know, so he ushered in the kingship of David. Yes, it went through first. there was uh, obviously Saul and then he anointed David and David came in to become king, all part of the greater plan of God. The point I really want to make is that God, God's word is true. God's covenant is true and is real and it will be performed no matter what. But there's a role that we must play in seeing the manifestation of God's word. And if we are going to manifest as sons of God, we definitely, definitely have to uh, partner with God in prayer. And we have to persist with God in prayer. I was reflecting as I was thinking about this that I kind of feel hurt about what has happened in Ukraine because I recall, uh, when there was a tsunami in Japan a few years ago, I can't remember when it was, uh, we were moved to pray for the nations. And we bought a map. I think one is in Antilaide's house. We used to meet together and we put up the map and we would pray for nations. And um, I was a bit blindsided by what happened in, in Ukraine. And I felt like, Lord, you know, I've fallen off. I'm no longer praying for nations. How could this thing happen without even you know, any any idea that this thing would happen. But here we are today, where the church, I think the world over has gathered together and we're all praying for Ukraine. And we believe that God will do something extraordinary in Jesus' name. For the people of Ukraine and for his people, he Amen. will do that. Amen. 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 So as I was reflecting on uh, what to share, God led me to uh, the book of Zechariah. And I, I will read Zechariah chapter 1, verse 18. And then hopefully I will just share with you uh, a few insights of what God gave me. So chapter 1, verse 8, um, uh, I'll read from verse 1 to 21. I'll read the whole of it and I'll read it very quickly. Now, in the eighth month of the second year of Darius, Darius was the Mede who was the king of, um, who took over Belshazzar, uh, that was Nebuchadnezzar's son, in the time of Daniel. So just mark that. In the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet, saying, The Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets preached, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear, and nor, nor did they heed me, says the Lord. Your fathers, were where are they? And the prophets, uh, do they live forever? Yet surely my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did, did they not overtake your fathers? So they returned and said, just as the Lord of hosts determined to do to us according to our ways and according to our deeds, so he has dealt with us. I'm reading all this for context context really, but just mark certain important things. The time at which the word of the Lord came to to Zachariah was in the eighth month of the second year of Darius. Now, um, at this point, uh, God gave um, Zachariah some visions. So on the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month uh, Shabbat in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet. I saw by night and behold, a man riding on a red horse and it stood among the myrtle trees in the hollow and behind him were horses, red, sorrow and white. Then I said, my Lord, what are these? So the, the angel who talked to me said to me, I will show you what they are. And the man who stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are the ones whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro throughout the earth. So they, answer, so they answered the angel of the Lord who stood among the myrtle trees and said, We have walked to and fro throughout the earth. And behold, all the earth is resting quietly. Then uh, verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you not have mercy on Jerusalem? And on the cities of Judah, against which you were angry these seventy years, sound familiar? And the Lord answered the angel who talked to me with good and comforting words. The angel who spoke with me and said uh, and said to me, the, the angel who spoke to me, the angel who spoke with me said to me, proclaim saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with great zeal. I'm exceedingly angry with the nations at ease. For I was a little angry and they helped, but with evil intent. Therefore thus says the Lord, I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy. I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy. I felt excited when pastor brought that word about mercy. God is returning with mercy. My house shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts, and the surveyor's line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Again, proclaim saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, my city shall again spread out through prosperity. The Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem. I'm sure you are asking yourselves, what in the world is this woman talking about? What is what has this got to do with prayer? Just hang with me for a minute. Uh my scripture uh, reference today is mainly Zechariah chapter one, verse 18 to 21. Then I raised my eyes and looked and there were four horns. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these? So he answered me, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. I think the old King James calls them four carpenters. carpenters. And I said, what are these coming to do? So uh, Zechariah was asking, first he saw four horns and then he saw four carpenters and he asked what the carpenters were there to do. And so um, the man answered, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could lift his head. But the craftsmen or the carpenters are coming to terrify them, to cast out the horns of the nations that lifted up their horn against the land of Judah to scatter it. The old King James says that the carpenters are coming to fray the horns. Now, I will admit that I have heard... A message preached out of this, and it resonated with me greatly. I understood, learning um, listening to that message that was preached a very long time ago, uh, when I was a much much younger woman, that horns in the scriptures represent uh, spiritual power. And if you look at the horns that were in um, that uh, Zechariah saw there they uh, scattered Judah, they scattered uh, Jerusalem, and they scattered Israel, you know? And the horns that was scattered Judah, scattered Judah in such a way that they could not lift their heads up. They put them down. They were put down, put down, put down by these spiritual powers that had kept them down. Now, I mentioned in verse one that this word came to um, Zechariah in the eighth month of the second year of Darius the Mede, okay? So let's turn to Daniel chapter 9, and I won't read all of it, I promise. I I, I think it's quite a lot of scripture here, but I was very fascinated here. Let's just read Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, the prophet, that that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation. I don't know whether you noticed this, but I was very excited. You know, the Bible isn't just random. Uh, one of the things I've discovered with God is that He is a God of precision. In the second year, he was speaking to Zachariah of a, a people that had been in exile. And some of the people had started going back to the mainland. And yet, you know, in the first year, Daniel saw this, read the book, saw it was meant for 70 years, and he prayed. And he prayed and God answered. And yet, there were still horns. There were still horns that scattered Judah, that scattered Jerusalem, that scattered Israel, that kept the people down, that kept them from lifting their heads. God's word, you know Jeremiah 29, we love it, isn't it? Jeremiah 29, verse 11. eh? I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, to bring you an expected end. Do you know the context in which those words were spoken by Jeremiah? If you read verse 10, Jeremiah had sent a letter. At the time uh, of the, the final king before the exile and told them that you guys are going into exile. And he told them it will be for 70 years. But God had a plan, had a plan at the time they were going into exile, 70 years before. And uh, I think Pastor had mentioned this as well. And I've read a few things that have suggested that they didn't actually quite stay a full 70 years because Daniel prayed and uh, a set of events started um, um, unfolding. Uh, unfolding you know, for the people of God. So Daniel in the first year discovered this, prayed, the word of God was there, prayer was there. And yet in the second year, in the eighth month, there were still horns. There was still something fighting what God had already spoken, preventing the people from lifting their heads. Does that sound familiar to anybody whatsoever? do you has god given you a prophetic word and told you you will do this you will accomplish this has he revealed anything to you and you've been waiting and you've been waiting and maybe even prayed but still something is keeping you down there something is just stopping that thing from happening what are we to do what are we to do the king james says uh, there were four carpenters who went to fray the horns. And when I think about fraying, because in the New King James, it says that they uh, they were going to uh, cut off the horns. And it sounds like it's very easy. Oh, there are four horns here, so I'll just pick them and cut them off and chuck them. Fraying is talking about, uh, you know, when they talk about carpenters, you know, carpenters, um, the work of a carpenter is uh, a painstaking work for you to get the precision, to get things happening. It takes time. So fraying takes time. So uh carpenters are likened to intercessors because just because god has said something to you just because a word has gone a prophetic word has gone just because something has been said to you has been promised to you or is even in the bible we've read it it's there we don't just jump up and down and just tell ourselves oh yeah you know god has said it that settles it it does yes but we're going to have to do some work in the place of prayer amen We are going to have to do something persistent, uh, passionate in the place of prayer. And we are going to have to um, partner with God and his word as uh, Daniel did, as Zachariah did, and fray those horns. We're going to take a stand and it will take time, but we will prevail because God's word has already gone before us. God's word has already gone before us. So if we stand and we pray and we intercede and we refuse to give up, we refuse to give up until we see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, until we see ourselves rise and shine as children of God, until we see ourselves as the mountain of the house of the Lord. That word has been given. It was prophesied a long time ago and it was prophesied about you and me. And maybe when we read it, we pray, Lord, make this happen, you know, make us fruitful, make us do this. And then we go back. There is powers, there are spiritual powers, there are are enemies of um, the children of God, you know, who are standing there and have set themselves, you know, they are strong and they are standing there to make sure you do not get to where God wants you to go. So what will you do about it? You are going to pray. You are going to be persistent. You're going to stop being a child. I remember one of my pastors uh, made an example. You know He said, if I gave his youngest daughter, if I gave her a hundred pounds, she'll go and buy Haribos. A lot of times we behave like that child. you know when God gives us something like this, we go and buy haribos. We go and buy something sweet. We want to do something that's easy. That doesn't take any, 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 any effort from us. Let me show you. Antilady brought the word from um, Hebrews chapter seven, verse twenty-five. She focused on twenty-six about Jesus, about God saving to the utmost. I'm going to move to verse um, twenty-five. She mentioned verse twenty-four. What does what does it say? Jesus, Jesus who came on earth sent by God. He came. He lived. He, he, he ministered for three years and then he was crucified on the cross and he died and he rose again and he's seated at the right hand of God in heaven. What is Jesus doing? Is he skating? Is he enjoying it? He's finished the work after all. So what is Jesus doing? He lives forever to make intercession for us. Just think about it. Jesus who completed everything he came to do is living to make intercession for us, praying for us. How ought we to be when it comes to prayer and intercession? How ought, what what manner of people ought we to be when it comes, when we've got this word, you know? What ought we to do to be able to advance the purposes of God, to answer that cry in the earth where creation is groaning, you know? When we talk about uh, global warming, I think it's creation groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. What are we going to do about it? We cannot just fold our arms and sit down and watch as things happen. We will not be that kind of people. We will be like the carpenters in Zechariah chapter uh, 1, verse uh, 18 to 21. And we will we'll be persistent. And we will, we will pray. We will pray. We will take a stand. We will not back down. God has said it. Therefore, it must come to pass. Yeah. We, will be, we will discharge our responsibility as children of God, living in our generation. You know, the Bible says that uh, David served his generation in his time and went to sleep. Our generation is our responsibility. Our generation is our responsibility. What's happening in Ukraine Ukraine is my responsibility, your responsibility. It is the responsibility of this generation. We cannot just fold our arms and look. Neither can we just feel helpless, okay? And I know this this is a call to prayer. This is a call to build altars of prayer. What we do persistently, what we do continuously, will bring results. That much I can guarantee you. I was looking. I think at some point I had heard that if you do something for twenty-five days, it will form a habit. I said it takes anything from about eighteen to two hundred and something days to form a habit. But on the sixty-sixth day, you know, it becomes like a muscle memory. So if you've been praying for fifteen minutes every day. I am asking all of us to rise up and pray for more than 15 minutes, double that a little bit. Remember, one hour is 4% of the day. And uh, I found this very sobering, actually, as I reflected on it, and I'll share it because it's what God said to me that caused me to sit up and say, no, 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 I need to rise up again. I need to rise up and pray. If you sleep for eight hours, which I don't, I don't sleep for eight hours, but many people do. That's 33.3% of your day. If you work a seven-hour shift, that is 29.16% of your day. Let's say you even pray for one hour a day every day. Okay? That still leaves you with 33.38%, which is eight hours to do your errands, to read, to watch TV. I think some of us watch too much TV. I, I, ouch, we spend too much time watching TV. And we still have eight hours after we've slept, worked, and prayed for one hour. We still have eight whole hours that we can utilize for prayer. And yes, uh, God is our Father. You know, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray in Luke chapter 11, he says, when you pray, say, you know, our Father. He wasn't giving us um, a script. He was telling us, you know, he was laying a template for us, how we should approach God. God is our Father. He's Abba. He loves us. He gives us our daily bread. He forgives our sins. He delivers us from our trespasses. That is a given. And we will pray for those things. But that cannot be the beginning and the end of our prayer, folks. We can't. We can't just pray for my deliverance. Just pray for my breakthrough. Just pray for my, <laughs> me, my house, and my, my children. We can't. We've got to move forward. You know, We've got to be a people of prayer. We've got to be a church of prayer. We've got to be a church of prayer. In, uh, in reflecting on this, I, I, I remember that the church in the New Testament church, in the book of Acts, they prayed. I, every time I read that, I just, I get that jolt in my spirit. They prayed until the earth where they were shook, the house shook. <laughs> now that is prayer. You know, it moved something in the atmosphere. It opened a portal for them and something shook when Peter was incarcerated in maximum prison uh, by one of the leaders there, the church gathered in the house, just as we are gathered in our homes today, and they started praying for Peter. And that prayer sent angelic help to Peter. And an angel, Peter actually even thought it was a vision. He didn't even realize until he was outside, he didn't realize this was actually happening. And he shows up at the door because the church prayed. And I really believe that God wants to usher us into a season where as a, as a church, we pray. We pray and things like that happen. I was listening to Derek Prince and he was talking about the church praying. And again, I said, ouch, he says, the Bible says that, you know, he, he com- God commands that prayers should be made for all men and people in leadership so that we may live a peaceable life. And I just thought about the things, you know, the leadership here, how we've all followed and, and, and rung the story of the of the lockdown parties dry. We rang it dry. I just thought to myself, have we prayed? Have I prayed? Or have I overlooked my responsibility to pray for the leadership in this country and in whatever country we are in? Folks, God is calling us to persistence in prayer. He's calling us to grow up in prayer. The things that we're reading about, we're excited about in the world, in the Bible, they're not just going to do themselves. I, they're not going to, if, if even Jesus needed someone to pray for 84 years day and night, just think about it. 84 years day and night for Jesus to show up and to die on the cross. What ought we to be doing as his people? in order to see the work of God happen. So I have been challenged by God. I have been challenged by God to build an altar of prayer prayer to become my lifestyle and not just praying. And to be honest, I'll admit with you, you know, uh, to you. I think when I was going through learning about building the altar of prayer, it was one of the most sobering uh, periods. About two weeks ago, I'd taken some, some days off. My, my sister, uh, Penny, is a prayer woman. She's a prayer woman. She, she will say things like, oh, I took a, day, a few days off to pray. And I think you might have taken a day off to pray for what? <laughs> It's so far for you to sit down and enjoy, isn't it? <laughs> That's what holidays are for. But I realized then because my plan had taken a week off. My plan was to, oh, I'll go to Devon. I'll do this. But the money just stopped me from doing it. I would have done it. And so it, it coincided with the time God was speaking to me about prayer. And I think those two days, I don't think I've prayed as much as that. We prayed. Gamma and I prayed. Gamma's voice went. <laughs> and I'm encouraging you folks. I am not condemning anybody. You know, the Bible says, I think it's in the book of, um, of Genesis. There's a scripture in there where God says to Abraham, look up from where you are. I love that. I really love that. God is calling me and you to look up from where we, wherever we are. If you pray five hours, look up from where you are and increase. If you are praying only five minutes, look up from where you are and increase. If you are praying for 30 minutes, look up from where you are and increase. There is mercy in the house. There is mercy in the house. Today, the word of God has come to us saying that there is mercy. There's no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, the Bible tells us. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. So this isn't about name shaming anybody or anything. It is just saying that, look, God has so much to teach me. This is just a glimpse. I think this is just a glimpse. And when I looked at the, I, it had never occurred to me, I've read the book of Zachariah and I've read the book of Daniel over and over and over again. It had never occurred to me that the timing was was, was in sync. Daniel prayed in the first year. Zachariah received the word in the second year and there was still work to do. And so the encouragement today to us is that if we are going to manifest as sons, we will have to pray. Just remember those statistics. Eight hours sleep is 33% of your day. Seven hours work is 29% of the day. Uh, one hour prayer is 4% of your day. The other 33.38%. There is scope for you to actually craft a bit of study of the word. Because obviously it was in studying the word that I discovered these things. You know, I wouldn't have discovered them if I wasn't studying the word. I would have discovered about the, you know, the intersection between the book of Zechariah and the book of um, uh, Haggai as well and Ezra. There was an intersection. So things were happening in sync there. I would never have known. I would have just thought, oh, Ezra is there, Hosea is there and uh, Haggai is there. But these things are working together and God is willing to reveal to us as much as we're willing to learn. And one of the things I have been challenged about is that we have got to get, you know, Pastor always says, may the Lord give us understanding in Jesus' name. It's not just, a, it's not a tick. He's not just saying something, you know, for the sake of saying, it's not just, <clears throat> we need to rise from ignorance, people of God. A lot of ignorance has kept us bound and ineffective so we need to learn and if we're going to learn we're going to have to commit time god has things he wants to commit to us great things he wants to commit to us you know we read in the bible that he looked for a man and it's surprising that there was no intercessor there was nobody there you cannot intercede and you cannot pray without knowing the word so already you are committed to the word if you are going to pray at the level that we're talking about today you're committed to understanding and reading the word and we've all grown and i just want to share in closing that i have seen god in my life in the last year by way of testimony uh, i was thinking coming into last year and this year i was you know, I'm just going to coast, and you know, in about ten years' time, I'll retire, and you know, life will carry on. I've been carrying one, two debts anyway, two credit card debts forever and ever, just paying the minimum and just not doing anything about it and all that. And I was content to carry on until I got a letter from one of the the credit companies, and they they they, they insulted me. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't say you're a bad person. No. They say, oh, because you are in persistent debt. I said, what? (laughs) I said, no, 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 (laughs) no. I I drew a line in the sand. Whatever pain it would cost me to get out of that description, that name, I reject it in Jesus' name. It is ending now. So I committed to getting myself out of credit card debt. And... um, at the same time, an opportunity came for me to do some training at work. And I said, what the heck, I'll do it. You know, I'm doing that and everything. And I remember we were given, and I've shared this before, we were given a, a, an assignment to, to, to set goals, you know, 10 goals. And I said, 10 goals? What does that, you know? But God actually sat me down and said, you can do it, you can do it. I said, so he told me, you've already got a financial goal. You need to set a spiritual goal. You need to set a goal. You need to do this. I said, oh, yeah, 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 I can do it. And I set goals. And they were smart, you know. They were specific, measurable, uh, attainable, uh, time-specific. Very good goals, I said for myself. And almost like magic. My life has turned around. <laughs> it wasn't magic. There's no such thing as magic. If we are going to take the word of God and treat it like magic, we will, we will be here 300 years from now, if God permits in the same place, getting nowhere. The point I'm trying to um, make, uh, folks, is that I learned by practice. And in fact, I'll share with you by month uh, three. I said, Look, look, I've done it. You know, in paying off my debt, <laughs> I've done it. Now give me the money. And he says, Nice try. <laughs> you know, God wanted me. I would have lost the lesson if I hadn't gone through, followed through. Till today, I thank God that I committed, I set a goal. And today I am debt free. I'm debt free. I have set myself a goal. Those eight hours that I used to spend watching too much TV, I think I'm doing something about them. There's going to be an increase in the study of the word, and there's going to be increase in prayer. I'm going to get, I'm getting that map. Antila, did you still have the map? Yes, I'm getting that map. We're (laughs) praying. I am going to manifest (laughs) as a daughter of God. (laughs) Sit down if you like, enjoy if you like, and be frustrated. I'll still pray for my family. I'll still pray for my needs. I'll still go to work. I'll still do all the things that we do. But I've got eight whole hours. And I'll still study. Actually, I've got a book here to study. I'll still study and gain more qualifications. But that eight hours, a good portion of it, I am committing before you and before God today that I'm going to pray. I'm going to become a carpenter and I'm going to pray and I will not give up and I will not relent. The importance of prayer in manifesting as sons.